Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Man, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, your Wednesday edition. Sorry again. I know another one coming in the afternoon. This is where I am, like, trying to promise you guys that I can get you stuff at a more reasonable hour and then completely not delivering. Do you care? Why? I don't... Maybe. Back in the old days, I used to tell stories about what was going on with myself, and then I realized people probably didn't really want those, but just very quickly, um, my oldest kid is starting elementary school in the fall, and local ones, there are a few choices around me here in Los Angeles, are actually starting to do in-person tours again. Thank you, COVID. Uh, so we're trying to mash them all in, in like three weeks because, uh, in, I think two weeks from now, everybody else, everybody has to make their choice and then people start shuffling. So that's been happening in the morning. We also had to take the dog to the vet. It's been a whole thing. Um, so a couple of later shows this week. And for that, I apologize. Try to get things back on track here starting tomorrow. I don't know. I can try, right? I can give it my all. Should be. I should be able to get tomorrow's out on time. Uh, but all that ado to say, today, fairly typical show. I want to get a, a little bit into Roto strategy for this time of year. Um, but let's knock out the usual stuff, meaning yesterday's quick recap, just a four-game Tuesday to go over. Some streaming thoughts for today, which again, is really going to be about tomorrow. Let's do those, then we'll talk some Roto. That'll be today's show. I'll try to get you in and out of here in about 25 to 30 minutes today. We'll go We'll go lightning speed. Uh, I am Dan Bespris, by the way. Thank you so much for listening to Fantasy NBA Today. Let's get this thing going. Uh, Warriors lost in Orlando. Yeah, they're not quite the same team without Steph Curry. Surprise, surprise. And we did find out, I guess one of the good things about doing the show late today is that we did learn that the Warriors are going to be resting veterans on the back-to-backs. That's what we thought was going to be happening, but Steve Kerr was playing a little bit coy suggesting that maybe Otto, maybe Draymond, you might see those guys in the second half of the back-to-back. Well, you're not. You're not. So, tonight, you have... This is why you picked up some more fringy Warriors streaming guys, because someone like a Damian Lee, who didn't do anything at all, or Kevon Looney, who didn't really do anything at all yesterday, those guys are going to have to do more. Because Draymond and his 30 minutes are on the bench. Porter was playing a bunch of time at power forward. Jonathan Kaminga is going to see a big bump today. Yes, I get it. You can't really rely on that a lot. But what we can do is file it away. Because what we see tonight is likely what we're going to see when the Warriors have their next back-to-back Sunday-Monday. So that's a bit more helpful from a Roto standpoint. But at least on the head-to-head side, this is why you likely avoided Otto Porter, who I now adore as a Roto pickup. Because his body has come back, and they're starting to play him more minutes again and hell, I don't care if he takes rest days on the Roto side. When he's in there right now, he is very, very useful. Uh, Gary Harris is questionable. Wendell Carter Jr. is questionable. You're going to see Orlando starting to rest guys periodically down the stretch now. We're that close to the end of the season where this is beginning to happen. I don't know that it changes a whole lot on what we're doing here. Uh, Mo Bamba still starting and playing about half the ball game, so that's fine. He's going to have some good ones. He's going to have some bad ones blended in. Mo Wagner has been a bit of a winner here with some of the other big guys taking intermittent rest days, but he's not someone you can play 
in any format on a night-to-night basis. So I don't, I don't even want to spend time on Orlando because nothing really changed for me here. And the only thing that happens now with all these guys maybe taking a rest day is you get this blip where you know Chuma's going to have an easier path and Bomba's going to have an easier path. But these guys were on rosters anyway. So, you know, screw you. This doesn't help me. Atlanta beat New York on the road. This is one of the games that I almost bet yesterday. I talked about it on a numbers game with my good buddy Gil Alexander. Uh, Trey Young went huge at the Garden. They needed to get one. Knicks beat Atlanta three, really beat them three times in a row here. Yeah, yeah. So Atlanta took the fourth and final meeting. Gallo's been a good stream, but he's going to sit out the second half of the back-to-back to rest his sore Achilles. That makes him a really tough head-to-head guy, but I think from a Roto standpoint, I still like Gallo. Next week, they have a four-gamer, but there is a back-to-back in there, so just not that great for head-to-head. Um, you take the game off on Roto's side. Everything else for him has been better lately, so I'm good with that. Um, DeAndre Hunter's been streamable with John Collins out as well. On the Knicks side, we saw Alec Burks kind of wake up in this ball game, so that was pretty cool. He's been one we've been generally trusting when he's in the starting lineup. Julius Randle was out. I think he's expected to miss another game or two. Obi Toppin played 24 minutes as a fill-in. That's not enough. He was decent in this one, 10-7 and with a steal, uh, but he needs more than 24 minutes. He's not a super round fantasy guy where he can just explode, you know, Time Lord style in, in 20 to 25 minutes. Toppin's going to need more than that, so I'm not picking him up. Uh, maybe, I mean, I guess it would have been interesting because they do have five and seven that started yesterday. That you know that made him slightly more intriguing because of the Randall stuff. And now it sounds like Mitchell Robinson is going to sit one out tonight uh, due to a sore back. I I don't even know. Taj Gibson is his backup right now. I ugh. I guess if you want to go roto on Taj. Yikes. Quickly's a go. Fournier's been hotter lately. He's a go if Randall's out because there's just enough usage for everybody else. Um, and that's about as far as I'd go with New York. Uh, you guys know my stance on R.J. Barrett. He's a points league guy. Kind of have to leave it at that. Chicago got blitzed by a good team again. That's kind of been their M.O. this year. Uh, Bulls are off for a couple of days. Vooch is slightly better. Levine is questionable for their next ball game. DeRozan's questionable for their next one. Bulls are going to be trying to get their guys ready for the playoffs, which makes, from a, a streaming standpoint, that actually makes them kind of an interesting team. Uh, they do play tomorrow. They play Saturday. Get my schedule right for this week. If any of those main guys rest, like if DeMar takes a day off, I've got to assume Alex Caruso becomes fantasy useful again. Uh, he was very bad. He's been quite bad, actually, for the last three games after one good one coming back. Four games, I think he's been kind of bad now. Since coming back from the wrist thing, Ayodesumo, I believe, is a drop coming off the bench. Uh, Pat Williams, Patrick Williams, is being slowly ramped up, but he's not to wear anywhere near enough minutes to be a pickup yet. So most likely, if one of those key guys sits, then the other ones do more, obviously. And then Caruso is the guy who's sort of hovering right on the edge, playing enough minutes as a starter, get a little bit more usage, probably then secures himself as a short-term fantasy option. When I look at the Bulls, and, and you know, that works from a Roto standpoint as well, because their schedule's not terrible for the next little bit. They go Thursday, Saturday, and they go Monday, Tuesday, next week, just like they did this week. Bulls are in the middle of a 4-4-4 to finish out the season. So, yeah, worth keeping an eye on. 
On the Bucks side, Brooke Lopez started, played 24 minutes. He is now basically good to go. Uh, Bobby Portis is not a drop. We've been over this a few times. Last year, he played about 20 minutes backing up Lopez, and he was inside the top 100. He's not going to be the Portis he was when there weren't any other centers around, but the Bucks defensively need Brooke. He changes everything that they do because he allows Giannis to go back to playing power forward for the most part, where Giannis can do more offensively and more defensively. His role shouldn't be to be the guy at the back of the defense. He can roam. He can range. His, his length is insane. He's basically wasted as a small ball center. So get Brooke back there. Box out artist Brooke Lopez. Rim protector. Bucks just got real good again. That's how important Brooke Lopez is to what they do, particularly on the defensive side. Because they'll score... Milwaukee's going to score on anybody. You know, then interchangeable pieces there around Giannis and Drew and Middleton when he plays. He was out for this ballgame. But Brooke Lopez changes the way they do. They play their defense. He puts everyone back in the position they were supposed to be. So if he's still on your wire, you pick him up specifically for Roto because there's no way he's playing the back-to-back next week or the week after that. Uh, they, they do have two games left this week, tomorrow and Saturday. Probably not something you can do in head-to-head two games the rest of the way. just isn't enough. Uh, But again, from a Roto standpoint, Lopez is basically now where we needed him to be. It took him about a week and a half, two weeks to get ramped up to a high enough minute total. And uh, this is kind of what we figured. And then Denver beat the Clippers 127-115. Clippers have so much rest right now, but ultimately, there's just no stopping Nikola Jokic. He's a machine. It's insane. He's so far out in front of everybody else in fantasy. It's it's just an epic beatdown. Uh, Bones Highland continues to be impressive. Very high usage, but only 17 and a half minutes. The units he was playing in weren't defending at all. Those are the units that allowed the Clippers to wage small comebacks in this game. And so it kind of came down on Bones, even if it was partially the fault of the guys around him. They went back to the starters pretty heavily in this game. Will Barton, I still say, is a drop. Another kind of pedestrian game. Aaron Gordon was a little bit better, but he'd been worse lately. Monte Morris was a little bit better, but he'd also been kind of worse lately. I really, truly believe in Roto, it's Jokic only. In head-to-head, you know, they got four games next week. I guess you could make a case for most of those other fringy guys in a four-game week. Not three games this week. Nope. And then the Clippers, uh, the reserves were... So part of some of the runs they were making in this game. So yeah, you you saw the kind of mix-and-match clips where Zubats only got 17 minutes despite starting. Amir Coffey started but played 19 minutes. Batum started and played 19 minutes. Terrence Mann got a big chunk off the bench. Isaiah Hardenstein got 24 minutes off the bench, and he's very startable in fantasy in 24 minutes. But there's no consistency with this team. That's why we always try to have the who-do-I-trust list for the clips which has generally been Reggie Jackson, Rob Covington, who was also pretty good again, and Ivica Zubots. And I'm inclined to keep those guys on there, even though Zoo's been a little up and down lately. He's just getting owned by Jokic, but who doesn't? Uh, And right now, Terrence Mann, Isaiah Hardenstein are the two guys that are kind of hovering on the bubble. Hardenstein's been good lately. He's four steals and six blocks in his last two games, but that's an unsustainable number. And then Terrence Mann was quite usable when he was starting, moved to the bench, became clunky, then ended up getting starters minutes in this game anyway. 
Clippers' schedule is so terrible, you don't really have to make any choices on them right now anyway. Uh, but I do kind of like... Ah, oh man, I, I kind of like Hartenstein lately. I just think you probably best to leave the Clippers alone simply because they're not playing any games. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Let's talk streaming for a minute here. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Don't, don't make a move today. If you are not overloaded today, you should have done something about that yesterday. So I'm going to treat this show like you've been listening to the last few, because on both Monday and Tuesday, even if you missed one of them, I said, hey, check on your Wednesday, see what the overload status is, because if it's not overloaded, you can make a move on a Monday or a Tuesday to bulk up all of your stuff. Like if you had a, a, you know, a team with a two-game week, you could turn it into a four-game week, whatever. Today, it's sort of too late you know like the bulls had a back-to-back to to start the week and so a lot of people are moving on from chicago today to get some players on their team that go tomorrow and saturday and maybe a bull but like they're not playing today anyway so moving off of them today is not necessary you don't need to make that move today i don't see many situations where a move today makes a ton of sense unless you have an opening. So that's the only way. If you're overloaded today, you definitely don't want to make a move. If you're not overloaded today, which if you're not, you're probably at like 9 out of 10 guys starting because it's a heavy card. Be pretty surprised if any of you guys was had more than like one open slot today. And if that's the case... You could, you know, let's say you have someone on the Chicago Bulls, because everybody in the NBA, I believe every single team in the NBA, with the exception of the Clippers, has two games left or more the rest of this week. You shouldn't have had a Clipper on your team anyway, because their schedule has been so awful since late last week that it kind of doesn't matter. Everybody else in the NBA plays either two or three games the rest of this week, including the teams that only have two games this week, because those two, Sacramento and San Antonio, and the Clippers, but SAC and SAS, if we want to go by abbreviations, their two games includes today. So the best you can do if you're not overloaded today is turn a two-game team into a three-game team. 
And you guys know how I feel about using roster moves. I want you gaining at least one game. I want one to be the bare minimum. And then the other side of that equation is, you're like, Dan, I really, I wanted, like, there's a guy I want, and he's on whatever team you're talking about here. Doesn't matter. I inserted a fart sound effect that signifies anybody. Okay, that's great, but if you're really only adding one game, you should probably just do it on Sunday. Because on Sunday, you'll actually know exactly what category you're hunting for. There's no point in using a move on Wednesday to add one game to your ledger this week when the week could still pivot in so many different directions. Someone on your team could go two for eight at the free throw line and suddenly you're not competitive in that category anymore. Someone on your team could have a six steal night and suddenly that's the one you should be hunting instead. Like making the move today to only gain one game is too soon. And I know that patience is hard right now. You want to attack Every day you want to wake up and attack your head-to-head matchups in fantasy. But it's just, it's not good business. So if you're not overloaded today, the best you can do still is add one game to your ledger. Unless for some reason you had a clipper on your team right now. In which case you should have gotten rid of them last week after Friday. But heaven forbid you didn't. You can still do it because they play one game over the next six days. Philly on Friday. Utah next Tuesday. Brutal schedule. But I'm ignoring the Clippers because I'm hoping you guys have been listening long enough to know that you shouldn't have been in that boat anyway. If you are overloaded today, there's absolutely no reason to make a move today. There's none. Because... Someone on your team might get hurt. You might have to drop your overload guy into the starting lineup anyway. So whatever you have on your team, you should just hang on to it. Again, the only time to make a move is if you're not overloaded. I would say, and you're looking at an injury or something like that. Like the guy on your team that's also, that's not playing today is also hurt. That's when you might consider it. But again, I I need to see you adding two games if you're making a move today, because you can still add two games tomorrow when I believe we should be looking at some potential streaming options, specifically Sacramento and San Antonio, because after today, they only have one game over the final four days of this week. And there are two teams, as we talked about it before, Washington and New Orleans, that have three games the rest of this week. Again, we're talking after today. So get through today. You might have a king or a spur on your team. Like, Trey Lyles is probably going to have some pretty good games here. Davian Mitchell is probably going to have some pretty good games here with De'Aaron Fox out, Demonis Sabonis out, flip it, respectively, or non-respectively, I guess. San Antonio, uh, beyond DeJounte Murray, it's hard to make a case that anybody on the Spurs should be held through a two-game week. But early in the week, I argued you could probably just hang on to your spur through today. Because a lot of teams in the NBA add only one game to this point in the week. And I didn't want you using a move on Monday anyway. That's That's bad for business. You use up a move too early in the week. Unless it's on an injured player, you're setting yourself up to get hurt later. Because you want your moves later in the week and adding at least two games. You could have used a move on a Monday to add two games 
on a king or a spur, but you probably like the guy you have on the kings or the spurs more than the player you would switch them to. So this is what we talked about earlier in the week. Would you rather have four games from C.J. Ellaby on Portland or whoever, George Niang or whatever four-game streamer was floating around out there, or one game from a king or a spur that you really like a lot? Like, Davian Mitchell, Trey Lyles, they're probably going to have pretty good games today and still get three games out of a different streamer. I do believe that you you kind of have to move off of almost any of those guys after today. To have only one game the rest of this week is kind of blasphemous when you could turn it into three like, I don't really care how good Trey Lyles is. He might average 18 and 9 the rest of the way, which would be pretty freaking good. He might average two three-pointers and half a steal and a block on decent percentages, and that's really, really good. And in Roto, you just ride that out. And same general story, Davian Mitchell. We don't know if De'Aaron Fox is coming back this year. Mitchell might average, you know, 17 or 18 points and three three-pointers and a steal and a half and six assists. That's all great. Just think about it from a math standpoint. Think of the numbers I just said. They sounded really good as a one-game player, but if you can pick up someone on the wire who can do that and then some in three games, you have to do it. Like, I, you know, what's the latest on Kyle Kuzma? I feel like I saw a report on him and then it just floated into the back of my head. Uh... I don't remember if he's expected back for the Wizards' next ball game. I'm sure we'll know more about that by tomorrow. But let's say that Kuzma is expected to miss a little bit more time. You could pick up Rui Hachimura, and if he's starting at power forward, he's probably going to average like 14-6. and six. If he does that three times, you're talking about 42 points, 18 rebounds, probably two to three steals, probably two to three blocks, a couple of three-pointers. That's going to clobber. Almost anybody in a one game as rest of the week. You just have to overwhelm your opponent with games played. And maybe you switch back next week. Maybe you find a way to get back on a king or a spur. Because they do have a four-game week next week, every other day. Although Wizards also have a four-game week. Maybe there's someone else on your team that you sort of stream back into a king or a spur. But... I just don't know how you hang on to them for these last four days, uh, regardless of what kind of head-to-head situation you're in. It's a rough week. The reason we waited until Thursday, tomorrow, is so that we'd have a better idea what player you're targeting. Are you? Do you want to make a run in points and rebounds? Well, that's why I suggested someone like Hachimura. Did you want to make a run in threes and steals and assists? Maybe Devontae Graham. In New Orleans, maybe Raul Neto in Washington, or Ish Smith, or Tomas Sadoransky, or Denny Avdia, if you want to go for some, maybe a couple rebounds, a couple assists, and a couple of steals, more, more of the miscellaneous fantasy numbers. So to me, tomorrow's the day. I don't think that there, I, I really don't see much of a reason to make a move today unless you have someone who's like a game time decision for the rest of the week and you just want to not have to deal with that. And you're like, look, I'm going to make my move today. I'm going to guarantee three games the rest of the week as opposed to waiting it out with some guy who's maybe top 85 or whatever, but might only play one time. Again, you could still wait until tomorrow, but 
you're hell bent on that type of thing, that's your one in a hundred reason to maybe do something today. And I maintain this to be the case, even if you're not overloaded on today's card. Let's spend a couple minutes talking about Roto strategy before we wrap up the day. Because I said I'd try to get you out here in 25 minutes, and we're at 23 and change right now. Roto's really interesting this time of year because it's you're now at a point where your best players might not actually be your best players anymore. And what I mean by that is go to some Roto League you're in. Doesn't matter which one. If you're in a few, just find one that's pretty competitive. And start looking at the categories where you're quite close, where you, you need to make your move. I've long since advocated setting up averages because it's hard to look at every statistical category and everybody's games played number and figure out where everyone's going to end up on top of the fact that here now at the end of the season, you're going to see some give-ups down at the bottom of your league. So you, you kind of have to assume that those teams are going to accrue stats more slowly than the teams in the middle and the top of your league. So there's a lot going on there. You need averages. You really do. But beyond that, you need to understand. And the example I've used in the past is, I think it was four years ago now, but I'll be honest with you guys, I can't keep track of the time. Since I had kids and then since COVID, it's all, it's a cluster in my brain. But I think it was about four years ago. I was, it was close to the end of a roto season and I took some averages. And when I say take averages, I mean use games played to find out what the average production is for your team in each of the seven counting categories. Not field goal percent, not free throw percent. Doesn't really matter how many games your team has played. Yes, you know, if your game was, if your team had way fewer games played, it'd be easier to move those numbers. But at this point in the year, it's going to take a pretty good lift to move any of those more than like two or three tenths of a percentage. Or the way that, you know, thousandths of a decimal. You guys, I think you get what I'm meaning there. Looking at the averages on the counting stats showed me that my team was averaging something like 6.13 rebounds per game played. And that there were about four teams that were within like 6.2 rebounds per game and me. But it was really hard to tell because with about a month to go, so not that far from where we are right now. I know we're a little bit, we're less than that. We're, I think, what, two and a half, a little more than two and a half weeks left in the regular season. A little bit earlier, it was about a month ago, I noticed this in my Roto League. And, you know, a couple, like one of those teams had 25 more games played than mine, and one had 15 more, and one was like maybe three games less, or one was like 40 games. I don't remember, but we were spread out pretty far. I think I was the lowest in that bunch because I tend to like to kind of draft teams in Roto, although this year was pretty weird with all the COVID stuff. But again, we're talking pre COVID. When injuries were a tiny bit more predictable. It was really hard to visualize how much ground I was actually going to cover if I just kept playing the same guys I already had. And what I could tell from looking at the averages was that you know, I think one of the teams, I might have been like ahead of one of the teams 
on a by averages like i was at 6.13 and one of them was at like 6.11 and one was at 6.16 and one was at 6.18 or something like that but then when i looked at the totals i was behind all of them so that's the way the numbers might mismatch but what i knew from looking at it was that if i did nothing at all in rebounds and just kept playing the same guys i was going to pass one of those three other teams I didn't even have to... So that was one roto point that I had basically in my bucket with no change at all. But the other two roto points that I wanted to tackle, I could tell I was really, really close, but not quite on the money. So what I did, I benched... I think it was Kemba Walker, who was like a top 40 guy that year. And I think... I think I benched Damian Lillard for a couple of games... Although Dame was like around four and a half rebounds that year, if I recall. I had some other star guard. And I mean, we could go back and try to figure out who it was by looking at player rankings from like 2017, 2018. It was a top 25 guard who only was averaging like three and a half rebounds per game. Man, I wish I could remember who it was. Might have been Kyrie even. Might have been Kyrie in Boston that year. I'm pretty sure Kemba was one of them. Kemba was averaging 3.1. There you go. Here, I pulled it up. 2017, 2018. If this, if this was the year, Kemba Walker was averaging three rebounds a game. He was number 29 that year on a per-game basis. Great scoring. 22 points per game. Three threes, five and a half assists, a steal. Great free throw percent. But guess what? There wasn't anybody. I looked at the averages, and there wasn't anyone on either side of me for miles in assists. And there was a big window on either side of me in three-pointers. So what I saw was, I could just bench Kemba Walker for two weeks. And instead of starting him at point guard, I think I picked up Pat Beverly, who was like, I don't, I don't even think he was in the top. No, that's not right. It wasn't Pat Bev. It was someone else. This is a long time ago now, so I, I get it. The story is sort of falling on his face a little bit. But I picked up someone who was guard-eligible, who was averaging five rebounds a game from the guard position. I don't remember who it was. Could have been anybody. <laughs> really could. Like, it legitimately could have been anybody. I'm fairly certain it was someone outside the top 100 at the time. So, like, on paper, it looked flat-out idiotic. It might have been, like, uh, Alan Crabb or something stupid like that, who was averaging, like, four and a half rebounds a game. Or crap i don't remember i'm looking at some names here and i'm having flashbacks to four or five years ago in fantasy stuff and i started a top 120 130 guy over kemba walker because i knew that if over the next two weeks i got an extra dozen rebounds out of that guard spot and if i switched my utility i had someone in a utility slot that was a wing who was averaging like five rebounds. I switched it to a center who was, again, more like outside the top 100. My wing was probably more like a top 75, top 85 kind of guy. I really don't remember who that guy was. But I did that in two roster slots that year in Roto. And over two weeks, I added about 24 rebounds that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And yes, I gave up scoring, but I was already probably at the box, probably punting scoring that year anyway. And I gave up some assists and some three-pointers I probably gave up some steals, but you know what? It didn't matter because I could tell from the averages 
that no one was, I wasn't going to catch anybody in those categories and no one was going to catch me in that little amount of time, couple weeks left in the season. If somebody got closer, I could throw Kemba back in. I could throw my wing back in. But every two days, I would check up on the averages. Okay, I, you know, my steals have come down just a tiny bit. My assists, my threes, they've come down just this fraction of a fraction of a fraction. But my rebounds, I'm at 6.14 now. I'm at 6.15 now after the first week. After the second week, I'm at like 6.1617. I still haven't caught these other teams, by the way, in totals. So they probably didn't even notice that I was actually getting closer to them because they're 20 games ahead of me. They looked at the board and they're like, oh, we got 130 rebound advantage on this guy. What do we have to worry about? But here I come. Now, two weeks left in the season. I keep doing it. I'm at 6.19. I'm at 6.20. And now I've seen by averages, if I just maintain this clip the last week and a half, two weeks of the season, I'm going to pass those teams. And there I was. With two days left in the regular season and the games are starting to level off because they hit the max and they stopped accruing stats and I still had 15, 20 games to go with a couple days left, I looked at the board and there I am, 10 games played behind them, 55 rebounds back. So of course, the last two days of the season, I went buck wild on rebounds. I, I jumped, I think, three points in rebounds the last two days of the season and I went from third to first place. That's a very long story that took us over my projected time limit on today's episode, but it illustrates one key point, which is you must look at averages and you must be willing to, once you figure out where your ROI points are, possibly bench a really good player on your team if they're not really helping you in Roto anymore. And it could take any example from your team. I don't care who it is. So before you type it to me on Twitter, you're like, Dan, I have... I don't know. I have uh, Freddie Van Vliet on my team, and he's been so good for me this year. Uh, But, you know, I'm 63 pointers up on the next guy, and I really need to gain ground in blocks. What should I do? Well, I mean, you could probably find ways to continue to start these guys, but I think you answered your own question. Sometimes the game played is better from a weird waiver wire pickup who's going to get you two blocks then the best player on your team who's going to get you zero. By the way, this is not me telling you to bench Freddie Van Fleet. I don't. I hope that's not the way that that came off. I'm just saying you got to get deep into the weeds right now in Roto. This is a spot where you can gain one or two Roto points with really clever play, and that could be the difference between hundreds of dollars, depending on what you guys have on your leagues. Tomorrow, break down a big Wednesday. Big Wednesday recap. A lot of overload stuff. Probably find some Roto guys to talk about tomorrow streamers of opportunity as we like to call them here on the show again apologies for the show coming out later today let's wrap her up i'm dan bespris this is fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation i'm at dan bespris on twitter ethos fantasy bk is the twitter news feed please drop a five-star review on the pod we'll talk to you guys tomorrow so long <laughs>